Good morning, good morning, River City family. How's everybody doing? Good, good morning. Wow, high energy today, love to see it. Live stream, what's up, what's happening? It's beautiful outside. I hope you're watching with your windows open and in your pajamas, preferably. Um, my grandma's probably watching, so everybody wave to my Mimi. Hey, hey Mimi. Mimi. Um, she's the best woman on the planet, but that's another talk for another day. Um, anyway, happy Sunday. If you guys would, it's a very special day in the house of the Lord for many reasons, but one, if you would just on the count of three, give a big old happy birthday to my dear friend, Rachel. Today is her actual birthday, so on the count of three, we're going to just let her have it. Ready? One, two, three. Happy birthday! All right, now that we're done housekeeping, would you guys stand with me? We're going to read our lectionary passage today. It's from Psalm 150. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty firmament. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his surpassing greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Who brought their tambourine today? It is your time to shine. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with clanging cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that breathes praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Jesus, we love you. We love you. Actually, before we pray, I just want, while we were in intercession this morning, I was thinking about how Jesus doesn't really need any of us. And I think sometimes I feel uncomfortable with that because I want to earn his affection and I feel like I have to do enough to experience him. But wherever you came in today, whether you read your Bible all week or you haven't touched a Bible in years, whether you were in a good mood or a bad mood, whether you argued with your family in the car on the way here or you didn't, there is no prerequisite to experience Jesus today. So if you want to, you can. All you have to do is turn your eyes, really. You just have to think about him. You have to ask him. That's it. So wherever you are today, if you want to encounter Jesus, there's good news. Today is your day. There's no prerequisite. So Jesus, we thank you for that. We thank you that there is no to-do list, no checklist, that I have to be good enough to come into your presence and experience your goodness. I ask for any person in this room today who's tired, who's lonely, who's weary, who's sick, who's uncomfortable, even the people that are happy and joyful, God, I ask that your presence would be really tangible in this place today. Will we turn our eyes to you, Jesus? Would our ears be really sensitive to what you're saying? You're so good. We love you, God. You're the reason we're here. It's in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, bless the worship, fam. pray for the universal church, its members, and its mission. We specifically pray for the church in Ukraine. God, we just lift up our brothers and sisters in Ukraine. We pray for the church in Ukraine. We pray for the church in Afghanistan. We pray for the church in China. We pray for the church in Sri Lanka. We pray for the church, our fellow believers who are under persecution. God, we pray that you would be near to them, that they would know that they are not alone, that they have not been forgotten, that we are with them we are praying for them. We pray that you would deliver them from persecution. We pray that you would send your presence and your angels to surround the church that where man and enemy tries to thwart and stop your plans, God, that you would conquer all, that you would come in and that you would remind the people that your kingdom will not be bound to any plan of man. 
near to the brokenhearted. You are near to the weary. You are near to those in persecution. And so I just pray right now, whether they are sleeping or whether they are waking and whether they are working, that you would be near to your church. Lord, hear our prayers. calling you hear us calling Abba Father you hear us calling you hear us calling Abba Father we pray for the world and all those in it we specifically pray for those in Shanghai who are entering week four of lockdown we pray for a group of people who are truly unsure and under the control of somebody else. They're eating, they're drinking, their time and where they go is completely up to the government. And I just pray, God, that miraculously somehow this song of praise would come from their lips. That songs of praise would fill the streets of Shanghai that freedom would be restored to your children in Shanghai. God, would you begin in the midst of isolation, would community begin to be birthed? That it would be completely illogical and nearly impossible, but what the government is trying to do and locking down to such a strict level, God, would your people, would your children be mobilized to begin to build community where there should be none? Would song of praise where there is weariness come forth? Would they know that they are not alone? Right before you left and ascended into heaven, one of the things you told the disciples is, behold, I am with you until the end of the ages. And so I just pray that they would know that you are with them. Would you, would you be near to the Afghan refugees who are still trying to find a place and a home? Would they know that the world has not moved on to bigger or better things, but that they, they would know that our heart's cry is still for their safety and their protection? Would you continue to provide resources in the surrounding areas that they might be able to begin to rebuild their lives in a new home? May they know that no matter where they are, they have a home in you and you care deeply for them. And would you restore justice to the broken government? Lord, hear our prayers. You hear us calling, you hear us calling, Abba Father. us calling, you hear us calling, Abba Father. Pray for the welfare of Smyrna and Cobb County. We pray for the 2022 primary elections that are coming up and we are beginning to hear the news stories. God, I just pray that you would go before every office that is being um, vied for. God, I pray that you would send your presence to be there, that you would put people in leadership that align with your wisdom, that align with your justice for the people on earth. God, I pray that you, that you would go before them, surround them with people and counsels of wisdom, with, with truth, your truth, that there would be people of strong leadership, great compassion for the people and the constituents that they are leading. God, would you come and move in our local government? May they be your servants, may they be your vessels. May they have a conviction that comes from the Holy Spirit. Lord, hear our prayers. 
local community and all those who suffer in it we thank you and praise you for the healing that has taken place in Anna Grace we thank you for the testimony that is coming from her room at the Shepherd Center we thank you for the work you're doing in her body we thank you that the doctors can't even fully explain the healing that has taken place thus far and we praise you and we give all credit to you and to you alone. And we thank you that there is no one else who can deserve that credit but you alone. We continue to pray and intercede for her healing, that her body, every part of her body from her head to her toes would be fully restored to how you created her body. That there would be no physical mark left on her of this trauma. Would you begin to heal her spirit, her heart, and her mind? Would you be with her and minister to her, sing over her in the day and in the night? Give wisdom to the doctors. We thank you for the work the doctors are doing. Would you give them wisdom and knowing the next best steps? Comfort the family as the healing is coming, but it is still long. The days can be long. And would you just encourage their spirits? We thank you for the work that you did in Pete, Mariah's brother, and we just pray that you would continue to bring healing to him, to the whole family, God, that they would know that you are advocating for them. Would you continue to do a work in his body that he would experience full healing even beyond what the doctors know to be possible? And we pray for everybody else in this room or online or connected to our body who is suffering publicly or privately, who is bearing a weight greater than we could ever imagine, I thank you that you know, that you know the weight. You feel and see and know the weight and the darkness that feels too heavy to bear. And this morning, we just pray that you would come and that you would remind them that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. That you are a God that, that stands with us and sees us and that you offer a peace that surpasses all understanding. We thank you for that. May that be real for each of us this morning. Lord, hear our prayers. Lord, have mercy. time all together. Singing, you hear us calling, you hear us calling, Abba Father. All of these prayers at your feet, singing, you hear us calling, you hear us calling, Abba Father. Super glad to be back with you. If you noticed on your way in, it was a little difficult to get here, um, and that's because just literally everything is happening right now. That's all being torn down. There's a Jonquil Festival. I recommend going if you have time to walk over. They do a really good job with it. It's really fun. Purchase some local goods. Um, and then there's one entrance to this. So those that are here today, you have fought the good fight. You're here. So. 
really appreciate it. Nobody's super angry, and that's a big deal. So it's a good day. I wanted to start today by letting you guys know that over the past six months, really, I felt that God was really working in my heart about how to lead the staff in a better way. And one of the things that he was working with me on was this group of people at a local church should be consistently set up for health and if there's healing needed and development in their craft, but also just development on how to walk deeper into Jesus's presence. So we really made a focus this year. We actually created staff culture, which is just kind of a prayer to pray into. And if Bill can pull this up, this is what we read every week at our staff. And we live holy, we love hospitably, we lead responsibly, we engage enthusiastically, and we grow willingly. This is our prayer, and we've created events throughout the year to let these things kind of be fostered within us. One of them's coming up soon. We're going to Tennessee to my friend, the Johns, Dr. Johns and Dr. Johns, and we're having a conversation with a couple of basically theologians about what is holiness and what does it look like in the Christian context? Because we know it's just not an ethic. It's just not don't do this, so what is it? And so one of the other things we did was we had Sarah, my wife, if you don't know, Sarah's right there, who is very gifted at helping people step deeper into health. And she did something called the rule of life, which takes all of the things within your life and helps you organize what would be beneficial. What friends do I need to invest in this year? What are the practices that bring health? What activities need to be in a weekly rhythm that will keep me at a place where I can be a vibrant human? And we had some interesting results from that. And one, one of them today, I'm so pumped to talk about, and we're going to let her share with you. But Miss Jessica was in that season of praying into it, realized that at the end of May, she's gonna step off of staff in her role, but she wanted to be able to explain to you guys exactly what that meant. And so the mic is up here for you to share, and then I'll come back up in a second. So, um, yeah, Sarah led us in spiritual formation, the rule of life stuff, and as part of that, she asked this question of, if you only had six months to live, what would you want to do? And my immediate and first thought was that I would love to take all of this content that's in here and in here that I feel like the Lord has given me and get it out to help parents, to help other churches, to be like a, a broader reach or a broader spectrum. And so um, I was like, okay, why did I think that? Because I love being here, and I love being on staff, and I love these children so much. And so I was like, that's really hard. <laughs> I'm not even going to pursue that. And so, but the Lord kind of kept, like, knocking at that for a while for me. And so I said, okay, well, Lord, if you want me to do that, then I'm going to need you to absolutely throw something in my lap. I'm not pursuing it at all. Well, a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> he decided to do just that. And he gave me not one, but two different opportunities to work with someone to build curriculum. And um, so I am so excited to do that, and I'm so torn <laughs> to be stepping off of staff here. Um, but I know that it's gonna be like super good helping others walk into some of the stuff that he's given me, and I look forward to doing that part of it. So specifically, um, uh, the, the question I hear most from parents is, is how do I teach my kids to pray? And I'm super excited to step into that and to make a way for parents to know how to teach their kids to pray, even if it's when your kid's awake at 2.30 at night, scared out of their mind, you don't know why, but inviting them to pray right then and there, hey, God, where are you? I'm scared. I feel alone. And that's the moment where you get to teach them. You get to invite them to partner in. You pray over them. You model what it looks like. And then you say, go ahead, try. Try. But parents need help with that. <laughs> it's not like an intuitive thing a lot of times. And so to be able to help parents get that concept and to be able to share that with other people is a dream of mine. And this, the Lord's just making a way to do it. And um, I couldn't do it both simultaneously, unfortunately. I wish I could, but I'm just one person. <laughs> so, anything else? 
Um, we're we're going to have time before you step off to really kind of bless you and pray over you and let the body pray into you. But um, I, I would just say, and we got to share some of this Friday night at a staff and wise council gathering that Jessica's gifted in such a deep way to bring a truth into a hard truth even for people to, to make it super simple. So it's like a, a thing that takes some people like 10 years to get. She's able to kind of box it up and through the power of the spirit, people are able to experience it especially kids and so uh, it made for all of the staff for sarah this made a lot of sense and so we actually feel pretty excited about it and uh, we got to share that together so we'll, we'll have more time but guys just give it up for jessica because she's awesome <laughs> And, and the second part of that is uh, we've already started working on uh, put together a committee that's going to meet with me this week. We're going to start the process of um, seeking out what God has next for the kids ministry. And I literally am equally as excited about that as I am for Jessica. I know that this good things are about to happen and I can sense it and feel it. And I know that he wants to provide. And so I want you all to just be kind of open and in prayer about that as well. It makes sense with what we've been praying through um, about the right candidate for the next season to lead our kids. Because that's really important to lead our kids. And so, awesome. And so the second thing is kind of not the message, but um, we've asked you to do is over the past two months, we've asked you to pray about five specific things. We have collected that data from our staff wise council and the body and consolidated it into the nectar of goodness or just words. And so here's the five things. The first one we started to pray for was we really sense that God is leading us and continually is into a culture of discipleship and a deep hunger for him. Through the conversations, we this is kind of the gathering of it. We feel like we're supposed to continue what we're doing through ETS and all of the things and continue to open doors for people to step deeper into formation with Jesus. So many are encouraged in our body right now to do this. And a focus in the next season, we've kind of, the largest thing we heard was a focus on scripture, stepping into it in a simple way, almost getting back to the basics of learning. What are those things we assume everyone knows that they probably don't know? The scripture is important. So the, next, the second half of this year, we're diving deeply into scripture. It'll be fun. The second thing that we prayed about is staff additions, which is interesting because that surfaced in the middle of this prayer, which makes sense. This is what we felt like was important. Be patient and wait for the right fits. Don't force anything. It may look different than we think. Be open to that. And the next staff and key leadership will be form-fitted for the season we have here now. Patience and God is going to provide. I deeply sense this. And there are already things I could share, but there are things pretty rapidly happening right now that you'll be hearing more about soon. So that's exciting. Next thing, lease longevity and location in Smyrna. This was a big one because it involves big decisions from us. This is the one I personally felt like I received the most confirmation on, but I'll just read to you. Stay where God has placed you. We believe we're supposed to stay in this location. It's time for roots to go deep um, here. So it's not about this. But this is where God's called us to go, go deep here. There's been a vision for Smyrna and for the specific location from, from the beginning. And he has pr provided answers to all the prayers we've been praying all along. Remember all that he has done. It all fits together. And God has a vision for River City Church here in this space as well. This location is actually connected to our mission. And making our mark here now is important. Pray about owning. This is not me saying we're supposed to own this building, but there's something highly um, interesting to the collection of us that we're not supposed to have a church to build a massive church, but that this space could be used almost like a monastic community where there are different places within this building that actually provide health and help for our city. We felt like that from the beginning, but it was stirred back up during this, which looks like this place kind of becoming kind of a wellspring of health in a lot of different ways. And that can look like so many different things. And there's been thousands of ideas. But a random interesting thing is a couple that used to be a part of our church is actually putting a restaurant right under us called Good Kitchen and Market, which its vision was built out of two people trying to fight cancer and how to live healthy. And so that's an idea of how I think this is coming together. And you'll want to visit this place. It's really good. Who's been to Good Kitchen and Market before? It's so good. You're, you're going to like it. 
So um, trust God in any negotiations, especially the lease, and he will provide a way that when we need it. We feel like it's time now, so the action step to this one is clearer than the other ones to step into the lease negotiations because our space, we have about another two years to be here and then we either have to lease or purchase. We're gonna move forward with the lease even, even while praying through the other. So we would ask for prayer now about favor in that scenario, okay? Big deal is that if we feel like we're supposed to stay here, it's very interesting to us that, and I've had other church friends come, other pastors come and pray, and some of the th common things I hear is, you guys are really in a location that other churches are praying to be in because of the access you have. This is about to be in one year, the hub for our entire area. There will be no roads in it. It will be a green space, a splash pad. It will be an amphitheater. We're the only non-government building that's actually connected to it. So it's literally like, we won't have to go to the city, we are in it. And so it's, it takes that like, how do we sell Jesus out of the equation, which I'm thankful for, and it's more just about relationships. So I'm thinking and praying into ways like, how do we do that? How do we become that hospitable space where there's a thin line in between coming in and out? And so it feels really, this feels very, very much like the, the work of God and the Spirit. And he's done things since the beginning. If you don't remember when I asked to first get into this space, they hung up the phone on me, said, we're, not, we're never leasing to a church. Uh, they basically told me we're never leasing to a church. And then within a month, we were in the process of leasing the space. We've been the longest tenured people here. We've provided the most resource for the, the owner of the building here. We've been a consistent place. God has been faithful and shown faithfulness through us. So it's just all beautiful all the time. And so, amen. All right, I'm moving on. Next one is how to use the space upstairs after Smyrna Prep transitions out. And this is kind of a simple one to talk through. Trust God with open hands. Wait until he shows us what's best for the next season. Definitely don't do anything stupid, big that's our own idea. Because that never works. The table is a gift right now because it may help offset some of the initial costs, which is good. The table's doing really great and Shannon's killing it. So, I mean, it's really, really doing well right now. And prayer about things like parents stay outs and programs for moms that help provide a resource the city actually needs without us trying to make a name by doing our own school right now. So, hello, last one, Ukraine. Continue to support in the ways we are with the Good News Church. If you weren't here, we were able to provide $12,000 to help this church buy a vehicle that's driving in, pulling people out, and bringing them to safety, feeding them, clothing them, all of it. And the Oswalds are part of our network church plants, and they're the ones, they're actually going over to the Ukraine soon because um, they have connections. And so, and continue to invest locally. The largest thing that happened in the Ukraine prayer was it was interesting because it wasn't necessarily about the Ukraine, but it was about we have to continue locally while we continue abroad. So there has to be tangible steps for us to step into both of these things. And there needs to even be with the things locally ways to like, this is how I jump into this, right? We support missionaries, local missionaries, missionaries abroad, but this is more like how do we pray into what now is happening? And so I feel like all of these are an amen and a good thing. And I wanna say thank you for praying. And at the end of service today, we're gonna to do the thing again that makes some of you feel really awkward, but it's really beautiful, where whichever one of those buckets seem to stir you the most, we're gonna let you pray in a group of people with that. If that's horrifying or if it's your first time, Kara will be right in the back. This is Kara to answer questions. And yeah, in the lobby, in the middle lobby. Um, okay, so is that good? Are we good? That's a lot of kind of pre. I'm not gonna preach forever today. I'm not going to preach forever, but I'm excited to share. So Easter, so we had prayer, Palm Sunday, prayer week, Easter. Thank you for participating. It was beautiful. Prayer week was unbelievable. The stations were awesome. Palm Sunday, the kids in here was amazing. And then Easter Sunday was so good for me. It was such a tangible, the people of God coming together. And I think if you remember, the idea that day was that it's not our job to convince the world what happened through Jesus, but it's our job to bear witness to what we've experienced. There's something really meaningful about sharing how you've experienced the gospel, and that comes typically in three ways with people throughout the text, scriptures. There's an experience that's connected to some type of history. The history's brought, even if the history didn't make sense then, gets collected and brought to the, oh, that makes sense, and then there's some type of an interpretation or exegesis. 
That typically happens for people to say, I believe this, and to start believing it and then bearing witness. But right now, in, this ter- in the length of the calendar of the Christian calendar right now, and in terms of the context of the story of the gospel, people are starting to become aware of what Jesus did within his context. And they're starting to now figure out how to walk with him. And when I think about starting to walk with Jesus, one of the first things I think about is how prayer fits into that. And I'll just be honest that for most people, it doesn't fit really well, especially at first. A resource we've been using is A Praying Life, and it's a book that is really helpful. It talks about things like become like children to understand how to pray. So the last time I talked to you about prayer, I actually challenged you. Become like a little kid, and then we gave you Play-Doh, and you actually played with Play-Doh. Who was not here for that? We have Play-Doh in the back. Just kidding. We actually probably do have Play-Doh. And then we had people just kind of mess with it and kind of get into it and not take themselves too seriously. But the idea was that God wants us to become like children. And in prayer, if we can become like children, it's an easier access point. And so a couple of things about prayer, just again for me, it is to me one of my favorite spaces because it connects to what I feel like my role on the earth is, which is to help people experience Jesus. That to me is the biggest joy for you to say, I understand now how to be with Jesus and it's accessible. Prayer is also where we learn the heart of the Father for us, where we learn how he feels about us and where we learn how to be with him. It's also where we learn how we've been wired and how to co-labor. Prayer really in the, lo- in the big picture is just being with God. And the, and the result of prayer is that you get God. It's not that you get an answer, it's that you get God. But for the Western citizens of our world, prayer is one of the hardest things because we're the busiest people on the planet. We never slow down. We're not allowed to have weaknesses. We tweak our weaknesses and hide them to be more efficient. When we're alone with ourselves, we don't know what to do. So when that happens, almost instantly, look around you whenever you're anywhere, this starts to happen, right? What are you doing? I don't know. <laughs> Just doing something. Or you start to think about what you're not doing, and you get unsettled. And that feeling of unsettling is very important. It's extremely important to say what is happening in that space. Sit for five minutes. Sit for an hour. Have you ever sat for six hours? They actually say that if you can sit still and not do anything for three hours, like something deep happens. Like there's a, you, you hit this like thing that you're like, oh my gosh, where, where am I? I'm on another planet? But none of us can do that. If we have space, we choose entertainment and even Christian entertainment and even music. Like we said when Dr. Johns was here, we think we're in silence and solitude listening to worship music walking. We always have something coming in. Why can't we be still with ourselves? It's so interesting to me. So today, I'm gonna ask you, as we step into this, the realities are there, but I believe there's an invitation today for you to recognize how to be settled and how to actually step into a praying life. So I want you to close your eyes. I want you to remember when you were a kid and you were going on a trip that you wanted to go on. You're already a kid, so you can just remember a trip from now. <laughs> so if you need to close your eyes, that'll be helpful. Take some deep breaths while you're doing it. Where were you going when you were so excited to go as a kid? Now, in that posture, if you can't get to that posture, I understand, that's okay. If you're just like, I'm not interacting with that, that's a dumb prayer, I'm not doing that. I would just ask that you create an open space to say, I'm just gonna be open for a little while. I'm gonna let myself be open. If you have a cynic, like most of us do, just sitting right at that center seat of your heart, just take that cynic and say, you're gonna sit over here for a little bit and let, let that cynic just sit over to the side and during this space just say, I'm going to be open. Is there anything here for me to hear today?
Amen. All right, so a couple things before I read a text to you. When we talk about a praying life or praying without ceasing, one of the first things I hear from people is almost like that, that idea is impossible. To pray without ceasing is impossible. I'm reminded of the scripture that it would be easier to fit through the eye of a needle. Anybody remember that one? It's like, then what are we even doing here? Like, right? I understand that the needle is different and that, I get it. But this idea of praying without ceasing for us is not something that feels manageable because it feels like I'm not able to do that all the time. But what if... What if praying without ceasing has, ceasing has less to do with you being so focused on continuing to prayer to pray, and more to do with you be, becoming at peace with your brokenness and your weakness? What if it's not I got to figure out a plan, and it's more I'm actually really broken. I'm actually really hurting. I'm actually really unsure right now. What if it looks more like staying in that space than figuring out how to kind of grab it by the horns? Like there's nobody that just confidently is dependent on God. Like um, to this year, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna kill it on being dependent on God. That's not necessarily the in route to dependence on God. Dependence on anything has to do when you know that you are lacking. When you see a kid who's wrestling with weaknesses or failures, Instantly, they want to be near mommy and daddy. Instantly, right? I've had some experiences this week with my own kids where some failure has happened and I can't share much about it because they might be in the room right now, you know? But I actually love the idea of when my kids recognize I can't actually do this. Like I'm not able to do a thing that they're able to then come to me with that. My heart is never like, well, why are you not able to do that? My heart is always like, that feels important that they would include me in that. There's almost like a joy in that. I had an experience with my daughter, Nava. She's in this room. She hates me right now. Yesterday at softball, she's literally one of the best softball players in the world. But more than that, She's one of the best daughters in the world by far. And yesterday I was so proud of her because she had an experience catching that she's not had yet. And she had some things happen that have not happened yet. And she had to deal with it. And I saw bravery and boldness. And she came to me and she was able to sit with me. And she talked about it. I saw such strength in her weakness. And I felt the strongest amount of love I've felt for her in the last long time. Because she brought that to me and then now we're together in it and she needs me and I need her and she hates me and I don't hate her now. <laughs> I don't hate her at all. I love her. But kids do so good with weakness and then you become an adult and weakness is bad. And we actually view maturity. I don't even know how this sneaks into our Christianity. We view maturity and some of the strangest things, that you wouldn't struggle, you're mature. That this person has mastered a craft is maturity. What if maturity is the quickest to recognize how weak you are? That's wisdom and maturity. Those people around you that are one with their brokenness, there's something really unique about it. That's childlikeness. Here's where I'm broken. Listen, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, powder it up. This is where I am broken. And so that's like a doorway. And I'm going to read you a quote in a second. That's a doorway. Your brokenness, your failure, your weakness is literally a doorway into prayer and to be with Jesus. But we don't want to go in there. We're not dealing with that. I'm going to fix this and go in there. We end up walking around the outside of this door our whole lives. And I think Jesus is just like, is it now? You're going to, now? And we're just like, we're good. We're going to work on this. We're going to bring it to you. It's going to be great. And then we're all just depressed. And Jesus is like, no, the whole point was in, in your weakness. How do we not get the depth of that? Just in your weakness, he is made strong. It's not just get, get it. You're weak. I get it. 
I'm strong. I get it. That's what we do. We're like, yeah, I'm weak and you're strong. No, it's in your actual weakness, that's where he is made strong. That's where dependence is built. That's where relationship happens. That's literally the doorway into a praying life. So you don't pray without ceasing. You are helpless without ceasing. You don't pray without ceasing. You are broken without ceasing. And if you can recognize the level of your brokenness, you can also recognize the level of dependence needed. Jesus was the first human that taught us how to be completely dependent. If you would have asked him, what is it that you're desiring to do? I want to do, what would he say? What would he say? I want to do what my daddy wants me to do. If you ask us, none of us are like, I'm going to do what my daddy wants me to do. There's my daddy. Some of the things. We don't even think like that. He would have not been able to express a thought without dependence on his father. The childlikeness of Jesus exuded through him. We missed it. He's completely dependent. We think dependence is bad. Unless you're a kid and then you want to be dependent. It's so interesting. I want to read you a quote. I've got to read this off my computer because I'm still learning how to copy and paste off of this Kindle app, which should be easier than it is, but it's not for me. So this is from the book Praying Life. This might be a little strong. (laughs) Less mature Christians have little need to pray. When they look at their hearts, which they rarely do, they seldom see jealousy. They are barely aware of their own impatience. Instead, they're frustrated by all the slow people that keep running into them. Less mature Christians are quick to give advice. There's no complexity to their worlds because the answers are simple. Just do what I say and your life will be easier. I know all of this because the they that I'm talking about is actually the me. This is what I'm actually like and I'm naturally like without Jesus. Surprisingly, mature Christians feel less mature on the inside. They wouldn't say that. A mature Christian wouldn't say, I'm a mature Christian. So interesting. When they hear Jesus say, apart from me, you can do nothing, John 15, 5, they nod in agreement. They reflect on all the things they've done without Jesus, which have become nothing. Mature Christians are keenly aware that they can't raise their kids. That's a definite no-brainer. Even if they are perfect parents, they still can't get inside their kids' hearts. That's why strong Christians pray more. Dependence is a necessity. It's not a privilege. It's not an add-on. It's the heart of the whole thing. I want to read you a quote. Then I'm going to be done reading from a computer in my hand. And this quote is from, this is from a letter from Jesus Christ by the monk, John of Landsberg. And it says, this comes from a perspective of Jesus. I know those moods when you sit there utterly alone, pining, eaten up with unhappiness, in a pure state of grief. You don't move towards me, but desperately imagine that everything you have ever done has been lost and forgotten. This near despair and self-pity are actually a form of pride. Sorry, guys, that was harsh. What you think was a state of absolute security, this idealized place, from which you had fallen really was the place of trusting too much in your own strength and ability in the first place. What really ails you is things simply haven't happened as you've expected or wanted. That's pretty hard. I'm gonna put my computer away. So, the idea is that these places create the actual perfect doorways, but we Try and pretend like our doorways aren't there. I'm going to read you John 15, 5. I just, I just mentioned it. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is that that bears much fruit. For apart from me, I just pray that you hear this like it's not been heard. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I want to read you an example of a person in Scripture that actually takes a prayer of helplessness to Jesus. And this is from one of the most beautiful passages in John. It's the first miracle recorded. If you've seen the Chosen series, which a lot of you have, this is for Sarah. It was one of the most moving scenes in the the whole thing because it was with his mom. But this was his first miracle. I'm going to read you this. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. (laughs) 
This is that spot of like, there's literally nothing that can happen. Helpless, helpless person. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, and I don't think any of us love this part of this text, (laughs) which is why I like this text so much. It's talking about wine. It's talking about a thing you can't say to anybody. It's Jesus. Woman, what does this have to do with me? (laughs) I can imagine Noah saying that to Sarah and then the Italian New Yorker coming out of her so quickly. Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. And then surprisingly, his mother said to this, there's some kind of an agreement there. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it, and when the master of the feast tasted the water, had now become wine, and he did not know where it came from, Though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, they get the poor wine, but you have kept the good wine until now. There's so much there. But this prayer of desperation built out of relationship and dependence is thrown at the feet of Jesus. There is an answer to this prayer. I wanna, I wanna nuance this passage so much and I don't have time. I love so much about this. I love that his first miracle has to do with hospitality, and that came directly from Micah and our group because we look at scripture together, and his thoughts were, how amazing it is it that Jesus' first miracle had to do with hospitality and being hospitable. And it's like an extra thing. His first miracle is not like raising people from, it's just a kind of a party. He just said, having a party. That's so great. <laughs> And his mom's a part of that through connection with dependence and connection with him is a part of bringing this need. And then there's this beautiful, imagine the connection with them after that, after walking through that together. Here's where I don't know how to do it. Can you help? What's formed in that? That's the the nitty gritty of our relationship with Jesus. And so if we decide that we would like to fix our brokenness, the alternative is to take control The alternative to you recognizing that your helplessness is actually a good thing and not an indictment against you is you taking control or you blaming. We do a lot of stuff like this. When something doesn't happen that we don't like, yesterday we were beating a team. We had six softball games yesterday. We got home after 12 o'clock last night. I feel feel like I'm in two worlds right now. When I was prepping this message, the words were going like this. Six games. And during the second to last game, it was the, right before the championship, there's one minute left and we're the home team. And if you're the home team and you're winning and there's one minute, they call the game because it's literally impossible to come back. And the coach was like, there's still time left. And the elf was like, they're the, bro, they're the home team. He was like, you're just cutting the game off. And I was like, this is an example of when someone does not know what to do with their helplessness. He wanted to win. I'm sure he was wanting his daughter to win. And he's dealing with, that's not about to happen. And instead of being like, we didn't do it. We didn't do it. He was like, those guys are idiots. And that's why we didn't do it. And we do that all the time. The things around our lives that we don't like or that create that in us, we say, that's their fault, they're stupid, or we dominate people, and really Jesus just wants us to take it back to him and become even more dependent on him. If you can pull up Psalm 63, one through three. Oh God, you are my God, earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you, my flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary beholding your power and glory because of your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. This is an example of someone bringing light to where the brokenness is, a dry place in their lives and saying, I need you. There's no other route than you. This is literally where I am right now. We pray words and we're taught to pray words without praying honestly. When we pray honestly, it looks like where you're actually at. I had a conversation with, I have a conversation with my other child that's in here. He's not gonna like me either, that's great. But I ask him every day, how was school? And he literally says one word to me. What's the word he says to me? No. (laughs) 
good. <laughs> Everybody said fine. I'm shocked. You guys are sophisticated. He always says good, and sometimes he doesn't say good. Sometimes he actually talks about what's happening. And I love when I get to hear what's actually happening. There's an entry into a deep place when that happens. That's what God wants to do with us. When you sit to be with him, and right now you're in this room wrestling with how you don't have a praying life or desire to, where you are honestly right now is the starting point. I hit a wall. I'm hiding these four sins that I don't even want to talk to my spouse about. I'm, I'm not even going to do that. I'm not going to go there. I feel angry at you right now, Josh, for talking about this. I don't want to be at church ever. Um, I don't believe God is real. I don't like Christian leadership. <laughs> now I'm just venting. <laughs> I, I don't like performance culture. I, don't, I hate performance culture. I hate church culture that's performing. Oh, I don't like it. I don't like to be more than we are. I don't like to fail at all. I literally hate to fail. It doesn't matter what I'm doing. It could be whatever. I'm going to be the idiot that's going too hard in it. Always. All ping pong with the toddler, the toddler's going to lose. <laughs> I don't care how good they are, how much love that they receive. It's game on, it's go home. <laughs> I literally did that at a place on a vacation with my family uh, 10 years ago where I played. There was a, all of a sudden at this pool, they're like, we're gonna have a ping pong tournament. I was like, well, that's y'all's fault, first of all. And then there was like eight 10 year olds and me, and I just ran through them, you know, like <laughs> just sending them to their parents. <laughs> One at a time, just walking over to their dad, and I was like, it's your fault, you shouldn't have let them. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I really struggle with the idea of losing anything because it's connected to the idea of having significance. I really want to be significant. And I can't disassociate that from anything that has to do with failing. But I can sit with Jesus and talk about it and he can bring a lot of understanding to me. And he doesn't necessarily cleanse me of it, but he's with me in it. And there's so much goodness when he's with us and I don't believe God is real. If you have the bravery to sit with him and say that, even if you feel like you're saying it to something that's not there, just that action, so awesome. I feel angry at my kids. I don't know how to be a good parent. I feel like I'm failing my kids. Bring it to Jesus. I hate prayer. Bring it to Jesus. I hate sitting in this room right now. Bring it to Jesus. That's the exact place it starts. It can't start somewhere you're not. That doesn't even make sense. So stop praying a prayer that's like, today, Lord, we ask that you would let us follow you. We want you to bless this meal. Be like, no, that's not even how you talk at home. Get in it with him. I don't want to wake up today. Right? Like, just start where the real stuff happens. Your dry and weary land is not going to be watered by you. It's like, that's not how it works. The rivers that come into the desert are God's plan for the desert, not man's plan for God to do in the desert. We have to stop being our own little gods and be submissive to a God that actually shepherds us in our brokenness. And then as we travel into his family, he doesn't tell us to stop being broken. He says, now show the world how I walk with brokenness. We're still as broken. <laughs> and if you want to argue with me theologically about that, you're gonna lose because we are broken. And if we at any point are not broken, we are telling him we do not need him. And the point is we are dependent continually. And, and it should look like as you travel into maturity, there's actually more dependence as you go. There's not a thing where it's like, I fixed the car up, take it, go. It's 100%. The idea from the beginning was, I can't do anything without my father. I can't do anything without him. Galatians 4, 6, can you pull this up really quick? And we'll wrap it up and pray. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Did you know that the spirit of God, think broadly here, don't think necessarily your historical tradition and what it 
proposes about the Spirit, think generally that the Spirit of God now lives in every believer, and within that indwelling, there are things like humility brought into you. You're actually now embodying actual Jesus and his prayer of crying, Abba. So there's now the spirit of Jesus himself within you teaching you how to cry, Abba. Do you know that there are actual periods of time where people can only pray one word? I know many people who, when they even sit to pray, they're so overwhelmed, they can just find one word and just pray. I had a a word for one year that was literally help. And I would write it and draw it, and I would pray it. I would just say, help. And that was all I could say, help. There's been times when I only could pray, Lord, have mercy, Christ, have mercy. Or Abba, I belong to you. When you don't have words, it's such a distinctly Jesus idea to pray, Father. That's an actual historical prayer. Father, 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 Father. Breath prayers were created because they were created to be within the length of one breath not father which is what i thought it was at first which didn't make a lot of sense to me it's like breathing it but it's literally this idea that you god can gift you with something that can draw you deeper into his presence and the spirit can pray when you don't even know what to pray groanings father abba daddy papa i don't know some of y'all do that i get it but it's good right here what i'm talking about it's good though small prayers when you can't pray. So, I'm gonna wrap it up. Instead of running today from where you're actually at, I just wanna ask you this question. When I'm talking about prayer, are you hitting a wall? Don't talk out loud to me right now, but is there a wall? When you think about a praying life, are you like, it's not even like a real thing for me? And then I just wanna, I just wanna say this. Can you think of any area right now where you feel helpless? Any area right now. In fact, close your eyes with me. Is there any specific area in your entire life where you see and feel helpless? I do not know what to do here. I just want you with with your mind's eye to picture, put that phrase or thing on the front of a door and that door is in the middle of a wall and that wall is large and it spans on both sides farther than you can see. It's such a large wall that you never can go through it. And I just want you to see right in the middle of that wall is this doorway. Picture it in your mind, even if you're like, I'm not playing this game. Stop and just play this game. Picture it in your mind, the door. What color is it? What's it look like? On the middle of that door is the thing you just thought where you feel helpless. And then all of a sudden, that hospitable Jesus that turns water into wine as first miracles, you see the door just crack open. <laughs> he creeps his head through. He's like, hey, you coming in? This is where we're going to hang out. It's going to be good. He puts doors where walls are. And helplessness and the inability to do it, kids are good with that, adults aren't. It's okay to be good with that. Because if you can be helpless and be honest about it, God can start to provide the things around you that can, can actually help you in that. So Jesus, we want to be a body today that operates in humility through the Spirit's empowering within each of us, that's comfortable talking about our brokenness and our weaknesses. And God, we just openly repent right now in your name for the ways in which we've made ourselves appear to be more than we actually are because we thought that's what you wanted. We repent of putting on airs or putting up a front to show a more polished version of who we are because we thought that's what you were interested in. And we ask now that you would bring full life into the parts of us that have always been asked by you, the broken places that create dependence. I actually ask you, Jesus, to also make that word dependent a healthy word within us. And that when we think about I'm dependent on you, that we're able to say that's a good thing that we would not see independence as the ultimate goal, even though our culture tells us that being independent is a primary goal. Being alone and being able to do it on your own is a primary goal. We ask that you teach us again what you taught your disciples, which is how can I do anything the Father's not telling me to do? I only wanna do what he wants me to do. That childlikeness from an adult. I'm just waiting on what my Father wants. Let that be the heart cry of this, this body.
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. That's good stuff. We're going to do something really quick. It's okay. So if I have a thing here that you gave me, I appreciate this. That's really good. So there's five groups, and one of these groups kind of jumped off the page to you. Um, and we're going to send people there. So culture is going to be Marcus, culture of discipleship. Marcus, if you'll, you're going to go to that corner. That's Marcus. Say thank you, Marcus. It's awesome. It's good. Nobody said it, but that's okay. We just ran through it, you know. We ran right through that. I'm comfortable. All right, the next one was after SP. I should have had you. I should have carried on this, but so staff is Becca. So Becca's right there. That's Becca. Where do you want to go? Cool, cool, cool. Right over there. Over there. And then we have after Smyrna Prep, which is Smyrna Prep's moving out of this space in a month and a half. And so we're just praying about the wisdom for that. And we've got some answers. That's going to be Julie and Way. And you guys are going to be over there. Thank you both. And then we have the Ukraine, Bonnie and Susan. Where would you guys like to post up? That's Susan. Right here, nice, next to the nature out there. That's great. The lease, um, this is Brian and Sharon. And you guys could go, I guess, back there. And then if you are a first-timer or a second-timer or I'm not getting in a group-timer, then in the middle area of our church, there Kara's there, and she's just there. She can answer really any questions about the church. She can tell you about how to get involved. It's going to be beautiful. I'm going to say a prayer and then send you to those groups. When you get there, they're going to lead the prayer, but it would be good to just kind of say, Here's, this is my name as a human, and I'd like to know your name, and then pray together over these things. And so, Jesus, I thank you for stirring these in our body. Thank you for the unity that's happened in our body and just praying together. There's something beautiful about that. There's something humil humbling about that. And as they go into these groups, I pray that you would just continue the prayers and allow it to be beautiful. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thanks for participating. Thank you again for joining us today. And please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.